0: Matthew twelve twenty two to 37. <clears throat> then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was both blind and mute. And Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and they said, Could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, It's only Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive him out? So then, they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter into a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he could rob his house. He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me Scatters, And so I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted And by your words, you will be condemned. May God bless the reading of His word.
1: Welcome to an adventure. Welcome to a journey. Uh, This is an eight-week study that we're going to embark on together as a church. If you are... Uh, a guest with us today and maybe you're not working through the study guide that a lot of us are working through or uh, or maybe you're just kind of popping in today. Uh, don't feel like you're not going to get anything out of it. I'm certain that each week of this series will be um, worth hearing and worth knowing about. Uh, and yet this is a special opportunity for our, our church family to go deeper as a church, go deeper in our faith. And I really do see this as an adventure and a journey that that we're going to begin over the course of eight weeks, not end. That we are in this series taking a look out ahead of us. And ahead of us we see challenges, and ahead of us we see uh, you know, maybe mountains that are going to be mountaintop experiences, but we also know that we're going to face valleys as well. and uh, and the climbing mountains isn't always that easy. And so we know what's ahead, we we have a vision of it, and we're going to equip ourselves for the journey through this series. So I don't want you to see this as something where if you reach the end of it and you're not perfect, then something went wrong. That's not the goal. In fact, uh, I can guarantee you, you won't leave perfect, but you can leave this series equipped equipped to be a disciple of Jesus. I believe that the, the life that God designed you for is a life that you can be destined for. And the path to that lies through Jesus Christ, through faith in Him, and through following His example and His ways. And that's what this series, The Keys to Freedom, is about. Jesus said when the Sun sets free is free indeed he said he came to give life and life abundant and so here we are with the question are we free what does it look like and how do you get there so we're gonna begin today by setting the stage for the principles that we're going to be studying together over the next seven weeks Hopefully, uh, a lot of us are going to see a lot of progress over the course of this series. And yet again, just a reminder, we're not shooting for perfect by the end of this. We're shooting to be equipped with principles with which to engage the Christian life more effectively in our everyday life. Some of you are, uh, are dealing with stuff that you know what it is. And others of you, uh, you're dealing with stuff and you don't even know it yet. And that's kind of what we're looking at today. You know, a long time ago, uh, when, I can't even remember if we were married yet, I had moved to Springfield, Missouri to become a worship pastor, and I had a little apartment. And... It was a nice little apartment, and and one and I had, like, my own, you know, it was bachelor life. I had my own uh, refrigerator, and then eventually we got married, and Julie moved in for a minute, and then she was like, this ain't gonna work, so we bought a house. Uh, you know how that goes. So, um, but anyway, all that to say, one day I opened my refrigerator, and I was on this kick where I liked to eat salads with mandarin oranges on them. Have you ever had that? Anyone ever try that? Yeah. It sounds crazy. It's good. So, uh, or it used to be for me. So, <laughs> I would I, get these jars of mandarin oranges, you know, not the clementines you get now. They didn't even have halos back then or uh, any of that kind of stuff. So, but you could buy them in a jar in kind of like syrupy water or whatever, and, and you could dip them out on your salad, and uh, I loved that. So one day I was just making my salad, and I, and I just went and sat down with it, and I took the first bite that included a mandarin orange and spit it out. That mandarin orange looked fantastic, but let me tell you, it was raunch, rank, awful. I mean, it looked beautiful. It looked like these. Glorious. I mean, you you would have never guessed there was anything wrong with it. But when you put it in your mouth, oh my word you ever done that and bitten into something or taken you know I had a friend that said he just like chugged a whole huge glass of milk and then like as he's chugging he realized this is not good you know (laughs) probably at some point in your life you've grabbed so hold of something that looked good and you put it in your mouth and you realize wow this is not good Um, you know a lot of us our lives are that way and, and some of us, we even fool ourselves and we think, you know, no, I, I'm a pretty good looking mandarin orange. Uh, but then people around us are like, you don't taste so good, you know, uh, you've got some stuff going on. Others of us, though, we know, probably most of us, we know that there's some rotten going on inside of us, um, but we, we cover it up well. And so we, we look like that tasty Mandarin orange everywhere we go. And most people assume that we are. We're just sitting there in the fridge looking good. Waiting for someone to put us on their salad. But on the inside. There's something else going on. People in the world. We do this all the time. I mean, That's why they made Instagram. <laughs> and some people suspect that maybe that's why they made churches. Because of the way that we act when we come in here and we have this tendency to put on our best face and put on our Sunday best and put on our smile whether we feel it that day or not and uh, you know there's some of that that just comes with living in a society you do the best you can to uh, you know no one wants just a basket case every time they run into you right So, so there's some understandability to that but At the same time, we have stuff going on in our lives that we never deal with. And if there was anywhere to deal with it, it ought to be at church. But instead, we tend to cover it up. We're going to talk about this phenomenon a little bit. Uh, Whether you are someone who is well aware of what's rotting on the inside. Or whether you're someone who you would admit, yeah, I'm probably not perfect, but I'm not real self-aware of what's going on, you know, and, uh, you know, I just kind of go day to day, and, uh, you know, I'm kind of in that boat. I just kind of like, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm here. I'm doing all right. But sometimes in our lives, it's important for us to stop and take inventory of our life, what's going on on the inside, not only to do so in our own power, but to ask the Holy Spirit to help us Take inventory of what's going on in our life and what is not at all Christ like that we need to work on by the power of His Spirit. And that's what this series is about. This story that we engaged with today Jesus encounters this man who is possessed by a demon and deaf and mute. He can't hear, he can't talk. And Jesus sets him free. If you read the Gospels, this is what Jesus does. He heals, hurts, he sets people free from bondage to sin and hell. This is the sign of what it's like for the kingdom of God to come in your life. So Jesus sets this man free, and instantly the moral and religious people have a fit over it. They don't like the popularity that Jesus is gaining. They don't like the message he's proclaiming. And so they accuse him, right? Of being in league with the devil. Jesus is like, since when does the devil set people free? (laughs) Who ever heard of the devil setting somebody free? You want to know whether someone's doing the work of God or not? Look at the fruit, right? Look at the results. Look at what they're doing. Is it blessing or is it cursing? Is it freeing them or is it enslaving them? And you'll know whether it's of God or whether it's of the devil. It's ironic. There in this situation, in this room or in this courtyard or in this street or wherever they found themselves, there was a man who was obviously bound who was set free. And then there were a group of people who acted like they were free and they left just as bound as ever. Isn't that interesting? The irony of that. These people who felt like they were free and were pointing the finger at Jesus left enslaved to their religion and to sin. And this man who was bound by sin and hell was set free and left free. I suspect that in this room we've got a little bit of a mix of everything and probably most of us are a mix of all that many of us probably come in here bound in some measure in some degree to sin in our life whether that's anger or you're a slave to your stomach or you're a slave to lust or you're a slave to gossip or whatever the case may be in your life Comparison to others, need to control everything and everyone and every situation, always defending yourself, arrogant, full of pride. You know, you've got issues, I know, because I've got some issues. And, And so we come in here to a degree bound to sin. A lot of us also come in here like that man who was deaf and mute, bound by hurts and wounds of various kinds. It may be an illness or some sort of disorder that you face, and that you deal with on a daily basis, and it feels like chains in your life that you can't break free of. It may be uh, something that happened in your past, right? Some sort of abuse. And it haunts you. It may be some past traumatic experience. Whether it was an illness or a sickness or a death of someone you loved or Something that rocked your world. And you don't live free. Because it always haunts you in the back of your mind. Maybe, you don't even, maybe you're not even self-aware of it. And yet, your actions are in part determined. The way you treat others and, and relate to other people in your life is partially determined by those past experiences and hurts. This person hurts you, so you're never going to trust another person like that again. Things like that happen in our life and leave us bound up and anything but free. Or you might find yourself like those Pharisees slaves to their religion, slaves to their moralism, so busy trying to meet all the rules follow all the rules you know there's a lot of Christians if you hung a banner over their head that said I am free you'd laugh because they don't look anything like free it seems like most of the world laughs at the idea of Christians being free in general or Christianity being about freedom because in their minds this is a bunch of rules You sign up, you come to church, you you believe in Jesus. If you go to church, then they teach you rules, and you've got to live by those rules. And if you don't, then you're going to hell. And so, how is that free? This was the religion of the Pharisees. And unfortunately, like we just talked about in our Roman study on, on Wednesday night, a lot of us, we live basically in Judaism. We're practicing Judaism with some Jesus sprinkled on top. Really, the only difference between what many of us practice and what the Jews practiced is that we say Jesus was the Messiah. But otherwise, we're still trying to follow all the rules. If following all the rules had worked to set people free, then Jesus would have never come and never would have had to die, never would have had to rise again, never would have had to send His Holy Spirit to empower us. For what? If we could just follow a set of rules and be free. So many of us, we live still bound up to religion. We either think that we're hitting the mark pretty well because we can compare ourselves to others, and so we just keep on running that race Others of us feel like we never can measure up, never can do good enough, and so we're constantly walking around with guilt and shame, and we feel the burden. We feel that we are slaves to this thing that was supposed to set us free. Jesus said a statement that really doesn't help us out much, if that's where we're at. He said in that very passage we just read, But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. The the Apostle Paul said pretty much the same exact thing, except he talked about deeds rather than words. Mirrored that same statement. The New Testament is clear that on the day of judgment... We will be tested for what we have said and what we have done. How does that square up then with this same... I mean, Jesus also said, didn't he, that anyone who believes in me won't perish. The Apostle Paul also said we're saved by faith alone and not by works. So how do we match this up? This idea that everyone will have to give an account for every empty word that they speak. And at the same time, that those who have faith are saved. That's a good thing to get to the bottom of. Because otherwise, we're not getting to the heart of Christianity. See, the heart of Christianity has to hold both of those things true. Most Christians that I find in our world today hold one of them true. You'll find groups of Christians who say, you know what, we're saved by faith alone works and what you say and all that stuff, it does not matter. Believe in Jesus. You're good. And you'll find entire other sets of people who say, no, you've got to give an account on the day of judgment for every word and every deed you said. What you do matters. You need to follow the rules. You need to live a moral life. And we have these two branches, if you will, of Christianity. I submit to you that if Jesus said them both, then they both must be true at the same time and your faith must make sense of that. And my faith must make sense of that. I would submit to you today that faith saves because it's faith in Jesus Christ that's the only thing that can set you on the path to a transformed life. When we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we sign up to be a disciple of Jesus. That's the calling. When we place our faith in Jesus, just that very act of placing your faith in Jesus begins a transformation in your mind. And it's up to you where you take it from there. But as we begin to have our hearts and our minds transformed, then the trajectory of our life changes and as a result our words change and our deeds change so that our faith now guarantees the outcome in the future his Holy Spirit at work in our life testifies that we are his and so it is that both of these are true say that freedom is not found by behaving different but by becoming different now I know some of you are cringing because of the grammar of that statement but look I had a choice it was grammar or symmetry and I picked symmetry (laughs) freedom is not found by behaving different but by becoming different now if you're looking at that and you don't know what the grammar is wrong about it you know you don't know where that's wrong and you don't know where what symmetry is in the first place then just rest easy you're good just be blissfully happy <laughs> with this statement but if you have trouble with it grammatically and you would prefer it to be grammatically correct by all means correct your piece of paper I won't even look you're, you're fine just do what you gotta do but freedom is not found by behaving different but by becoming different and this is what separates Christianity from other religions Jesus used the example of a tree and so will we. He said, and this is making sense of this problem that we have of is it faith or is it works? It's both. And here's why. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Duh. If you want to make fruit good you don't go and try to make the fruit good. You try to make the tree good. Because a healthy tree will produce good fruit. It's a no-brainer. If, uh, if you make a tree bad, then you're going to have bad fruit. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. And he says, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil, like that's who you are, say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up within him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up within him. This is what we're saying that freedom is not found by behaving different, but by becoming different. Let's consider this tree thing a little more. And if you worked through your study guide this week, then you're already familiar with this a little bit. So this is just like a reminder for you. For the rest of us, it might be kind of a new illustration. So let's take a tree, and let's say that the leaves are our behaviors our words, our actions, the things that we externalize. So that, you know, those, those are the things that, you know, we make rules about, right? Uh, you know, don't punch people in the face. Alright? That would be a leaf. Okay? Uh, but then there's a, a trunk that's like the belief system out of which those actions come forth. Right? Like, You think it's alright to punch somebody in the face under certain circumstances. And so you've got a belief system in your trunk that produces those leaves. Does that make sense? And then you've got roots. And some of those roots may be past experiences. Some of those roots may be genetic. Some of those roots may be generational patterns. Some of those roots may be sin, hurt, attitudes, perspectives, whatever. And they feed a belief system that feeds certain behaviors. Jesus is saying, if you want the leaves to change, and you want the fruit to change, address the roots. And then the roots are going to help feed the belief system, and then the belief system is going to put forth the good fruit and leaves that you're uh, trying to get at. Now, most religion... Along with most moralism and most rehab centers and most, you know, any of the world's institutions or the church's institutions. Most of them address things at the behavioral level. And so they start trimming off branches, right? That branch is no good. You know, stop telling those lies. We're going to cut that off. You know, and they address these, these uh, behaviors and they keep trimming them up. And it doesn't work because things keep growing back, Right? and eventually you end up mangled, right? You're just a mangled, ugly-looking tree. (laughs) You're a pitiful, sorry excuse of a tree at some point because people keep pruning you and pruning you and you keep trying to, you're maiming yourself as you try and fix these behaviors and yet you can't fix the inside of you and so this issue keeps happening and you just end up this hollow person. Maybe on some level you identify with that with that experience. And so the Jesus life, this call to discipleship, this thing we call Christianity, was never meant to be another religion that does behavior modification. Otherwise, we could have just stuck with Judaism with some Jesus stuff, you know, sprinkled on top. But Jesus set out a whole different agenda, a whole different way. He wanted to change who we were becoming on the inside. And when we do that, the behaviors will set themselves right. So freedom is not found by just behaving differently. It's found by becoming different. And when you become somebody different, your religion is not your slave master. It flows out of who you are. And when you're becoming someone different, then sin and hell can't boss you around anymore. Because you belong to someone else. You're not the same person that you used to be. We're constantly up in each other's branches. Let's get out of it. Let's get out of the branch business. Let's start getting into the root business. Jesus always addressed the root and here's the deal to become different rather than just trying to behave different you're gonna need a lot more than my words and you're gonna need a lot more than even the words of this study that we're going through you're gonna need a lot more than principles but the principles will help They're like tools reminders things that remind you of the teachings of Jesus and help you walk through certain disciplines so that your life can go through this discipleship process with Jesus and you can begin to become different. What you need if you really want to be changed from the inside is you need to hear from God and you need His power at work in your life. And that is the promise of Christianity. Jesus said it's better that I not stay with you it's better that I go so that I can send you the helper, the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit was able to enter our hearts and our lives and to speak into our minds to help us give us the power that when we are fighting this battle against sin we're not just doing it in our own power and in our own strength we have his support behind that That we're not just relying on what we can think up in our minds and the thoughts that we generate, but we're also relying on the thoughts that He will generate within us. So do you believe that you can hear from God and that His power is still available to disciples of Jesus today? Each of us, we make choices. Those choices grow into habits over time. And those habits become automatic. Some things just you're born automatic. I mean babies are born with some automatic fun stuff. (laughs) They just you know that selfishness is automatic from the time we're born. So if we think that we're just going to root that out by trying to behave different, by following a different set of rules, a stricter set of rules, we're mistaken. But if you're here today and you find yourself a slave to sin, and there's something in your life that you know isn't right, and you try to hide it from others the best you can, but it's getting the best of you. Whether that's your temper, or whether that's something you do in private, whether it's an addiction. Do you believe? that even over the course of these next eight weeks and certainly in the rest of your life following Jesus Christ that you could hear from God about that that situation in your life that you could dialogue back and forth with him about it and do you believe that by his power you could put that to death in your life do you believe that the tree could be made good Others of you, like we said, came in here with hurts and wounds, things in your past, recent or or very far past that still trip you up and give you difficulty. Definitely, you wouldn't call yourself free from it. Do you believe that God can speak into your life about that? Do you believe that you could hear from God about that? Do you believe that by his power you could begin to live free again others of us came in here bound by our religion would you dare to try Jesus way do you believe that You could take the weight of trying to measure up to all the rules off of your shoulders and breathe free and listen instead for God's voice in your life and rely instead on his power in your life to change who you are from the inside out. I want to call you to go deeper with God. I want to call you to go deeper with your relationship to God. I want to to call you to stand up and begin pursuing your relationship with Jesus, a dynamic relationship with the living God. Stand up and be a spiritual leader in your home. is your relationship dynamic enough with God that your children if you've got them would believe they've got more than religion That they would grow up seeing faith as this dynamic relationship with a living God where there's you know I saw my mom and I saw my dad interacting with God I saw them talking to God and listening to God I saw them being transformed in their life and not being satisfied with who they were. We need spiritual leadership in this church people who will stand up and just pray out loud for one thing because they have a relationship with the living God and they talk to him all the time so it's not a big deal to talk to him somewhere else. We need spiritual leadership in this church and we need it in our homes We need it in this world. And it's not going to come from people who are just religious or who just show up at church on Sundays. It's going to come from people who are listening to God and who are at work striving to be free by the power of His Holy Spirit in their life, who are becoming somebody different. And so that's my prayer for you today. The study that we're engaged in is put together by a ministry called Mercy Multiplied and many of you are already familiar with that. Uh, they've been taking people in desperate situations uh, for, for about 30 years and walking them through these basic discipleship principles with tremendous effect. And thousands of people have been set free by the principles that we're going to be walking through together. So whether your situation is drastic or whether your situation is something that man you are hardly even aware of, but you're willing to start taking inventory of what's going on in your life because you want to become who Jesus wants you to be. No matter where you're at on that spectrum, what we're looking at today works because it's grounded in that gospel. That gospel that's not just about a faith that doesn't care about works, and is not just about a works that doesn't care about faith, but that by faith, is becoming someone different who does a different set of works. It's grounded in that, and so I'm excited for us to walk through it together. We're going to show a video right now instead of a, a normal response song. And uh, it's trimmed down to be a little shorter for us. If you want to see the whole thing, we'll post a link to it on our Facebook page later today. And you can check that out. But here's a, a video that includes some testimonies from some uh, Some of the girls that have been set free uh, by God through the mercy of uh, through the ministry of mercy multiplied. Let's show them.
0: mercy I learned and grew so much Um, not only did I learn more about myself in the process but um, learned more about God and I am now uh, able to pursue a degree in social work and hopefully work with children and help them God is my rock God is my strength and that he has overcome so much more than I have ever Um, that to me is what freedom has looked like The healing that the Lord has done in my life, the journey of going back and facing things and um, knowing that uh, my voice does matter, that um, I do have the confidence that I don't have to um, allow the things of the past to dictate my
1: future and limit me. I remember the staff there just continually showing me uh, God's love and telling me how much I was worth to Him and uh, telling me that I had a purpose in my life After Mercy, I moved home and I began a ministry school through my church. Through what God's done in my life, I really just have developed a desire to show people that they are worth something and that they can have a future and that um, they're worth everything and that they're loved and that they can be free. I came to Mercy with a ton of broken dreams about my future. And God, since then, has provided me with scholarships for school. He's provided me with a vehicle. so it's been a lot easier and it's been great.
0: Wesley. My name is Shannon. My name is Alma, and he knows my name.